On this episode of the This Is Believe One podcast, I am welcoming back Jordan Cohen of Real Browns Fans. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I want to sit down and talk Browns football a little bit more extensively. Uh, you know, we had a great conversation last time. Uh, there are a couple things we're going to touch on again today because uh, they've become relevant for more than one reason. Uh, one of them being uh, a declaration by the defensive coordinator. And uh, you seem to have figured something out in regards to one player that I am not necessarily particularly a fan of. So, starting off, I think the perfect spot is the linebackers. You mentioned that they're not necessarily emphasizing the linebacker position, and it seemed like, with what Joe Woods said, that's exactly what they're doing. So, you were right on that one. Uh, Kudos to you. Uh, are you a fan of of this like strategy or team building philosophy? Because um, I, I, it's what they're doing, so I mean we can't really I mean, we're gonna have to live with it. You know, as you know, people you know write about the team or fans of the team. Is this something that you're for or against, or how do you stand with this? Yeah, so actually, I'm going to do a little bit of promotion for real Browns fans. There's an article called Joe Woods Influence in Cleveland Part Three by a writer Daniel Keys. He did I think it's a four or five part series. But the third part, he talks about linebackers. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's important to note the majority of these snaps, I think, are going to be 4-2-5, right? I think most of the time they will not be playing with the strong strong side linebacker for Mm -hmm. most snaps. Um, And and where that's different than, like, Greg Williams' defense is Greg Williams was asking his linebackers to basically run at the gaps, right? Control the gaps at Mm -hmm. all costs. And this is why Greg Williams, like, we were either – going like the opposing team was getting a negative on run plays or was gaining like eight yards or we were giving up a giant play action play Mm -hmm. um but greg williams style i think is like like that heavy blitz style you're gonna see a little bit in houston this year you're gonna obviously see it with the jets so it's not that it's bad um i think what we'll see this year is closer to what we saw last year with a little bit of difference so Again, last year, Wilkes ran the 4-2-5, right? Mm-hmm. Wilkes and Woods, again, their base is basically a nickel coverage. I think the linebackers are going to be a weak spot, no question. My guess is we give up probably more of than our fair share of 10 to 12-yard passes down the middle of the field. So let me begin by saying I, I, I don't think like the linebackers are strong, nor do I think they won't have... like our weak linebackers won't have an impact. Mm -hmm. What I do think is it seems like Woods, kind of like Mike Zimmer, is going to ask his linebackers to do a lot less thinking than definitely Greg Williams and then even Steve Wilkes. And really in kind of Woods' system, you're going to see the linebackers, the weak side linebacker is going to basically shoot the gaps and just pursue the football. It doesn't have to do much more than that because you have the nickel corner. Um, the the middle linebacker is still going to be a really, really important position. And so the Mike. And I don't really, I mean, I think it's got to be Mac Wilson because your weak side linebacker is just like see ball, get ball, right? Mm-hmm. So that's going to be BJ Goodson or like maybe Sione Takitaki. Um, and I guess Phillips too, possibly, but it's going to be one of those three. My guess is Goodson just because he's more experienced. 
um, Mike is going to be a weakness because you're going to ask Mac Wilson to play the Joe Schober role. Um, Mac Wilson last year when he was targeted, he had 13 missed tackles and a passer rating of 93.3%. Hey, but so, Joe Schober just misses tackles. <laughs> well, well, Joe Schober misses a lot of tackles too. And I actually think Joe, again, I said this yeah. last time, I think Joe Schobert's very overrated. Um, I think the problem with the linebacker position isn't necessarily the lack of emphasis. It's that I don't know they have a mic. Um, I think they have a will. I think on clear rundowns, they'll probably throw Jordan Phillips as a Sam, like strong, strong linebacker, strong side. Mm -hmm. And I think he'll be totally fine in that role. Because again, like the one thing he was really good at in college was making tackles. And so I think he'll be really good there. To me, the big weakness is kind of that Mike. I, I, I mean, I, I do not foresee Mac Wilson playing a kind of Luke Keekley type role where he's going to be calling out every play. And my guess, my guess is that role, either BJ Goodson will do it or it'll be one of like if Carl Joseph ends up as a starting safety, one of the kind of the older safeties. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be Mac Wilson. I think that's going to be too much of to ask of him. Um, and so there's going to be a weakness. But really, I mean, what the Browns are going to be doing is they're going to be both trying to prevent runs to the side and they're going to be trying to prevent long passes. So they're going to, I think, ostensibly between whether they're using co- quarters coverage which is kind of their only cover two look that I think Woods is going to really run, mm-hmm. or they're going to do cover one or cover three with the press corner, which will be Denzel Ward. Uh, also, really quick side note, this year I think Denzel Ward's going to be pretty much, I mean, it's going to be ostensibly be zone coverage, but it'll be man coverage. Yeah. I think in cover three he's going to press, and I think in cover, I mean, cover one's man coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think that, in reality, the goal is just going to be if you can beat us running the ball up the middle and making these short dink and dunk passes, then then go for it. But we're going to be able to hold on the ball for a long time, too. And yeah. eventually you're going to need to just make a big play. And we're not going to let you do that. So do I think it's a weakness? Yeah. Do I think it's probably the biggest weakness on the team? Absolutely. And do I think kind of that Mike position, like Mac Wilson's going to have a lot of learning to do. I think it's going to be bad. Um, my hope is that as the season progresses, Mac Wilson adjusts more to that position. I, it would not shock me if the Browns take draft a linebacker. Like if there's a real Mike available um, in this draft, in the next year's draft, it would not surprise me if the Browns try taking one fairly early. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a weakness. Don't get me wrong. I think yeah. it's a weakness. I just think out of all the areas we needed to emphasize this offseason, I'm okay that that was just an area we kind of, we did our best to address and it probably wasn't that great. Now, do you think this was, I guess, their construction of the roster with essentially, let's be honest, they punted the linebacker position. Uh, Was this on purpose or do you think the adjustment to this particular scheme or concepts they're going to be running is more out of necessity than necessarily a plan? Uh, I think, I mean, I, I think, the secondary is going to be so important in Woods' defense. Like the, I mean, it is difficult to overstate how important the cornerbacks and safeties are in this defense. The safeties need to be able to think. They need to be able to intuitively know where to go and who to cover. 
And I mean, Denzel Ward is basically going to be playing the Richard Sherman role. So he's mm-hmm. going to be in, on an island on one side of the field the entire game. Um, and so and it's really important to have kind of a good nickel corner, a good second corner, two good safeties, at least in coverage. Um, and so I think they kind of were like trying to triage a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. what can you address with the resources you have? I, I mean, they did offer Joe Schobert a contract. Like, to be fair, they did. And I th- do I think they would have liked to have Joe Schobert in that mic role? Yeah, because if you have Joe Schobert, then you could move Mac Wilson over to the weak side and use Goodson exclusively as a Sam. And I mean, that actually is a pretty good linebacking group. Mm-hmm. Um, but without Joe Schobert, that pretty good linebacking group becomes a real problem. Yes. Now, you mentioned uh, some similarities between the system that Woods is going to run and what Wilkes run last year, you know, the base being nickel. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like some of the, I guess, more in-depth parts of it are going to be different. You know, uh, you know, similar concept, different execution. So there's a lot of emphasis last year on, you know, the quote-unquote big nickel defense that they are running. It, they're still going to run a nickel, but it seems like it's going to be a, a different group of positions or a different group of players that comprise that nickel coverage. Yeah, I actually, so I, I think it may have been the wood, uh, one of the Woods interviews. I think they're going to try to run a lot of dime, mm-hmm. which will look kind of like the big nickel last year, except there will also be kind of an extra cornerback, like in a base nickel defense. So I think a lot of like, especially in games where the other team has to pass. So like the Browns establish a lead. I think they're going to start going dime. So you'll have three safeties out there. So probably like Carl Joseph, uh, Delpit and Sandejo. Mm-hmm. And then you will also have you'll have probably Mac Wilson. Um, actually, you'll probably have BJ Goodson in those is your linebacker, like the guy just to cover up the run defense. Um, and then you'll have Kevin Johnson, Greedy Williams, and Denzel Ward. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to use try to use that as much as possible. I think their goal is going to be be really aggressive on offense early, establish a lead, and then go dime. I think in games that are close, they will be using a regular regular four-two-five. My guess is the two starting corners are Ward and Johnson, at least in the base, so in the four-three. Mm-hmm. And then when they go to the four-two-five, Kevin Johnson moves over to the nickel, and Greedy Williams comes and takes the other side of the defense. Okay, I mean, you know, just from uh, you know my time of paying attention to Kevin Johnson, I mean. The way I look at it is uh, any contribution he gives is a bonus because I'm not necessarily counting on him to do a whole hell of a lot. And that's only because he's hurt all the time. <laughs> right. Right. No, I mean, that's so this was an area that I have been clamoring for. And like, I think it's a position group linebacker is the weakest on the team. I think the biggest hole is going to be uh, like, honestly, a true nickel corner. I, Kevin Johnson's really good at it, but he gets hurt. And I wish they had drafted somebody who just could kind of like who projected as a future nickel corner or they had signed somebody like a Nickel Roby Coleman, mm-hmm. somebody that who could either do it all the time or who, if Kevin Johnson was getting like got hurt, could just fill in that role. I mean, let's be honest. He's probably going to get hurt. Uh, yeah. It's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, last season, the Browns defense was decimated. Mm-hmm. I also think Steve Wilkes was a system only guy. Yes. And he could not adjust. And what everything I've heard about Joe Woods 
is Joe Wo- so Joe Woods is kind of like that Mike Zimmer tree defense. Mm-hmm. And when he came to San Francisco, he told Robert Sala, you can't just run cover three. Like you got to add other coverages because you have Richard Sherman, who's amazing, but teams are eating you up in certain areas of the field. So I think Joe Woods, again, it's going to be kind of like the base four two five with a lot of cover one and cover three. But I think he's going to run a variety of looks. He does not blitz a lot. That's the one thing. He tries to get pressure from the front four. Yeah. So, I mean, defense is still going to be uh, a concern all season long. Yes. Uh, you, you seem to be higher on the safeties than I am, uh, only because, like Kevin Johnson, Carl Joseph has his own issues with injuries. Uh, Anderson Dejo is a, more of a sub-package player at this point in his career. So that means you're going to have to count on Joseph staying healthy, a uh, sizable contribution from Delpit, and possibly Sheldrick Redwine playing at some point and doing something. So, yeah. I mean, that's just how I see it. I, I see that maybe they give you something, but, you know, personally, just looking at it, I'm like, man, this safety group just seems to be not all that inspiring to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's about health, right? And, mm-hmm. like, it, I think... Delpit and Carl Joseph is actually uh, like in a nickel package. If those two are healthy, a really good combo of safeties. And I think even like on dime packages, if you bring in Sendejo or Redwine, that that's still a pretty good group. Again, the problem is if they get hurt. And Redwine looked, I mean, he looked fairly below average last year, but you could at least see like he could be a sub package guy in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you have him and Sendejo. Sendejo who I think are going to be sub-package guys. Um, and I think the other guy, Terrence Mitchell, is still on the roster. And while not great, he is a decent backup outside corner who I could almost see kind of coming in a little bit as a safe, like in that dime role is a sub-package safety. Or I could basically see them, like if one of those guys gets hurt, I can see them running base dime. Mm-hmm. So like if Joseph gets hurt, I could see Delpit being like the only safety and there being only one linebacker, probably Goodson, and then four cornerbacks. Yeah, um, I could see that. So it's just about, I mean, it's all about health. Like last season, what killed the Browns more than anything was health. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Like that defense was just decimated the first half of the season. And then Wilkes wasn't super flexible. But. Am I high on the defense? No. I, I think overall it's going to be probably a bottom 10 unit, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe a bottom 5 unit. But I think there will be I, – I, I really like Joe Woods. Let me say that. I really like Joe Woods, and I think as far as getting kind of a coordinator that is going to be best for the talent we have, I don't think you could do much better than Joe Woods. Yeah, Joe Woods uh, definitely has produced a lot uh, – from his role, definitely a, a person who could, uh, you know, help elevate the performance level of the defense. Uh, <clears throat> so I guess what you're saying is you're not agreeing with Steve Weish and saying that the defense is stacked. No, no. <laughs> this defense. Is, I mean, I, I saw that on a, a few people on Twitter were talking about how, like, well, if this all flows together, the defense is stacked. Well, yeah. I mean, if Baker Mayfield plays perfectly then he'll be pat mahomes but like in reality i i don't like i i just i don't think that's a good thing to be gambling on i mean and i don't th- i really don't think the browns are gambling on that i mean i, no. I think part of 
what Stefanski's been saying they're going to do is try to hold the ball for as long as humanly possible. Yes, and now I guess the issue comes there with the defense having some holes on it, uh, definitely liable. <laughs> it seems like they'd probably be liable to the big play, because let's be honest, uh, they have for uh, over 20 years now. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, they've always gotten burned by uh, one of the routes that was probably going to get you know, uh, and the emphasis of opposing offenses, which is 10 yards over the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if they're playing a team and they are able to, uh, let's say, establish a 10, 14 point lead and the Browns have to come back, it seems like this offense is, might, might not be the best suited offense for a defense that has some holes in it. Okay, yeah, so that's interesting. So over the past kind of few weeks at nighttime, I've just been watching kind of the NFL All-22 stuff, and Mm -hmm. I've been watching a lot of the 2018 Rams and then the 2019 Vikings and 49ers because I think all three kind of give variations of the outside zone. Yes. And I think Stefanski's probably going to be closer to the 49ers version than what we saw in Minnesota last year. Uh, And what I mean by that, at least in this instance, is that what the 49ers did is they came out with a strategy, which was not necessarily to establish the run, but to establish the outside zone. What they wanted to do is force the linebackers to be playing the run, Mm -hmm. and then they would just torch them on play action. And that's like their plan, right? So if all goes Mm -hmm. well, if the game is close, but you're playing well, or you establish a big lead, that works. Yes, when they went behind, and you actually saw this in the Super Bowl a little bit, there was, I mean, what ostensibly amounted to a sub-package of just general pass plays mm-hmm. out of both kind of like ace formation and shotgun. Mm-hmm. And I, I could see kind of Stefanski doing the same thing, right? So yeah. the majority of your offense is outside zone, mid zone, inside zone running and play action. And then you also have things like slant plays and mesh plays that kind of come in more uh, if you are down. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is going to depend on how much ba- like how Baker works with Odell and Jarvis and how that kind of how they mesh this season. And I mean, there's a lot actually of data that usually the second year receiver and quarterback are together is when you really see them play best. It's very rare for the first, like, it's very rare to see Jimmy Garoppolo and Emmanuel Sanders last year, mm-hmm. where, like, they got a midseason. It was just a perfect fit. That's incredibly rare. We don't yes. usually see that. And so, I mean, there's reason to be optimistic, but I don't think he'll do what McVay did in 2018, which was, I mean, like, watch that Rams team. They were, everybody's like, oh, they established the run, like, San Francisco. Like, no, it was a, for guys coming from the same coaching tree, McVay's system was totally different than Shanahan's. And all you need to watch is the Chiefs-Rams game from 2018 to realize that. Mm-hmm. McVay used short passes to establish the, the mid-zone. So the mid-zone, the difference is like the mid-zone, again, the idea is to try to get the ball outside, but rather than targeting outside the tight end, it targets between the tight end and the left tackle or yes. the tight end and the right tackle, whatever the direction is. And they would use that after they established the short passing game, at least in most scenarios. I don't think we're going to see that. I think that's kind of like the ideal, what this offense ideally looks like if you have a good quarterback and good group of receivers. And I know like people are going to say, oh, well, Jared Goff sucks. Well, 
in 2018, Jared Goff was in the MVP race for at least like the first 12 weeks of the season. Like mm-hmm. he was playing out of his mind. And so I, I think that is kind of the ideal what this offense looks like is a dream scenario. I don't think we will be there this season, maybe two seasons from now. But yes. this season, I think it will look more similar to the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I don't think Stefanski is going to run the ball as much as they did in Minnesota last year because I think Zimmer was playing a big role in keeping his defense off the field. Like His goal was kind of run the ball, hold on to the ball, and I will use the defense to force turnovers. Yes. And I don't think Stefanski is going to do that. I think they will try to score at a higher rate. I think they will use big kind of play-action plays to – like basically get Odell in one-on-one coverage or Jarvis in one-on-one and let them let them run so I I, do I think again like to your question is this the like what happens if we're down I I think it's going to be hard it depends how kind of that again the basically sub package of when things don't go your way pass plays look Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I don't know like I don't there are things he's going to do that I think are going to be very similar to what Freddie Kitchens did his when he was offensive coordinator, not coach. Yes. Um, and I think that'll work pretty well. Like, a lot of slant plays, really. I mean, like, variations on slant and mesh concepts where Baker will get one of Odell, Jarvis, or Hooper one-on-one mm-hmm. and just get the ball to them. Baker's never going to be a vertical passing threat guy. Like, you're never going to... I don't think so. I mean, he has a really good arm. Maybe he develops into that, but I don't think you will ever see something like what the Chiefs look like or what the Colts look like, where it's still kind of zone running style team, but the goal is to just throw the ball as far downfield as possible. I don't think you're going to see that. Probably Um, not. Uh, So, yeah, I think you're right. If they go down, it's going to be very hard. Definitely, because the, the the big difference between the Browns and the three teams you mentioned, the Rams, 49ers, and Vikings, they all have significantly better defenses. So if they go down and their offense necessarily isn't running, they could force a turnover. They could get a stop. I'm not confident in this defense getting a turnover or getting a stop. Yeah, and the problem is going to be... Uh, well, so honestly, and it's kind of funny because I think I said something that poo-pooed the defensive line last time we were talking. Mm-hmm. I think the defensive line is probably the most important position group on the defense because theoretically, between Billings, Richardson, Garrett, and Vernon, they should be a really good run-stopping defensive line. Yes. Like, all four of those guys rank pretty highly in any metric you want for run defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if they could stop the run, then I think the defense will work. Uh, will it be great? No. But I think it'll look maybe more similar to, like, in terms of a points per game, yards per game thing, to, like, what Greg Williams' defense looked like. Yeah. And so, but it comes down to defensive line. And that's a reason why you actually probably want Vernon over Clowney. Vernon's better at run defense by, like, actually a substantial margin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, don't let anyone uh, on the internet hear that. Oh, wait. <laughs> They're going <laughs> to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, here's let's touch on the cloudy thing for one second. I know we didn't plan yeah. on it, but I, I wrote something a week or two ago. I don't remember. Uh, days are just uh, kind of colliding and yeah. meshing in with each other. But um, my point being is that signing Clowney to this defense doesn't make them elite. It doesn't make them good to great. It doesn't take them from average to good. It, it's a 
a lateral move if you swap out Clowney for Vernon just because of how many issues exist on the defense outside of the front four. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you swap Clowney from Ver, for Vernon, or mm-hmm. Vernon for Clowney, so if you add Clowney and get rid of Vernon, I just think teams are going to run to the strong side over and over and over and over again. And then you're going to have to move miles all over. Like, I think you will see plays in that world mm-hmm. where you have Jordan Elliott in his left defensive end and Garrett and Vernon on the right side of the defense, mm-hmm. um, which would or Garrett and Clowney, which would be awesome. But like then defense is just they know, right? You don't need to put the tight end on the weak side. You don't need the fullback blocking to the weak side. Mm-hmm. You just like you can you, you can hit it. Um, so I don't really. I like Clowney a lot as a pass rusher. He's because he's really unique at what he's good at. And I get like, I think the pass game is going to, we're going to have a weak pass defense. The idea behind Clowney is, well, it improves it a little bit. But I don't know by how much. And I don't know, like, I, I can't put my finger on if it's more or less than Vernon's ability to stop the run. I mean, Clowney's just. Clowney is fine, is the way I've described Clowney. He's fine. Uh, I don't think he's the elite playmaker people make him out to be. He makes good plays, but that doesn't make him a good playmaker. So right. I think that's what happens. Is people no, I think that's conf- a great way to put it. it, it people confuse the two. They, they recognize the name. They recognize that he was, you know, top pick in the draft. They refuse to realize what he is now, or what he's turned out to be, or how he's progressed. Sure, he makes some highlight reel plays, but there are a lot of times where it's like, what the hell are you doing? I mean, I, I really, I know people make fun of Bill O'Brien and like I've joined in it too. <laughs> I think there's a reason they did not want to sign him to that contract. Yeah, there, there was. Sure. And there, there's a reason why Seattle didn't want to sign him because he's a perfect fit in Seattle's defense. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, they didn't sign him. And I think there's a reason why, I think there's a reason why Minnesota didn't pursue him. I, just like... Uh, he's a re- he's really you have a creative defensive coordinator. They can use him in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I don't think he makes or breaks your defense. No, he doesn't. If if he were to accept, I I know this is hard for him to probably uh, come to grips to or comes to terms or whatever however you want to phrase it. If he would accept the role of a more of a situational pass rusher, right. uh, a little bit of a lesser salary, and get himself in a good situation with a good defense, good guys around him. And just excel in that one role, he'd be great. But yeah, it, I, he's not an every down player. I'm sorry. Well, and I like in so Seattle used him as an every down player, but he played literally all over the defensive line. And I like I remember reading the contract Seattle gave him was actually I think like a three to four year deal, mm-hmm. which for a guy like for a guy like Clowney, like edge players die out early. Mm-hmm. Like they're they hit their peak early. That's a great deal, and I think it was like twelve or thirteen million a year, which like. I think that's actually probably Clowney's market value at that type of deal. And he didn't want it. He wants more money. So Seattle said, sorry, we're not giving it. Mm-hmm. Now, so, no, I agree. Now, with the conflicting reports that the Browns offered him the most money or he may not have offered them the most money and he turned it down, uh, <clears throat> it, it seems like he's... Uh, if they actually did offer him the most money, he said no. Uh, it seems like it's a mistake on his part, <laughs> from my opinion, because uh, big money contracts don't start coming out the closer we get to training camp. 
No, and I mean, this is what's smart. So I actually think the Browns have handled this type of thing very wisely. This is what smart front offices do. This is what the 49ers have done for like five years, um, even before they got the new kind of management group in there. And actually, Over the Cap has a podcast that's really good, and he talked about this on one episode. The good teams say, like, they offer, they make that big offer early. And if they turn it down, then those players wait and wait, and then the cap dries up. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the players are either not going to get paid or they're going to sign a contract that is not what they wanted. And I think that's the Clowney, I think, is betting on the season basically starting on time. Um, yeah. And that, like, they're not going to have a lot of camp. Some team is going to really need a pass rusher, and he's going to get his contract there. That's a gamble because if the season doesn't start on time, which I think is actually plausible, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I mean, and then they can have like a real training camp. Clowney's not getting more than 12 to 13 million a year. No. There's not going to be teams with cap. No, there, there isn't. And I, I think he's. <laughs> He's put himself in, in his own situation where he's ended up on the lose-lose side of everything, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Uh, he could have had a, a good deal from Seattle. He said no. Uh, the Browns apparently offered him a ton of money. He said no, although some people conflict that report, but consider the sources. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, the way I look at it is, uh, thank you, Clowney, for saying no. Because... Yeah. Uh, He's not somebody I wanted. I'm not upset. I'm not heartbroken. It seems like so many people were like, woohoo, Browns are going to get clowny. And they said no. And they're like, oh, fuck this guy. I'm like, this is a blessing in disguise, people. You don't realize it, but it's a blessing in disguise. Right. I mean, I, yeah, again, I, if it was a clowny on a one-year deal, I don't really, like, great. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if they were found a way to keep Vernon for that one year, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that could be a really fun defensive line. But I'm not, like, I, I don't know. I just, for as important as defensive line is, I don't think you need to, like, give that much money to your edge rushers. Like, all three of them, right? Because Garrett's going to mm-hmm. get a huge deal. Garrett, yes. I mean, regardless if I agree with it, he's going to get a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have next year Garrett and Clowney on a huge deal under contract. Like, you better have the best pass rush in the league otherwise. I mean, they already punted on linebackers this year. This is essentially making them have to punt on linebackers for a second consecutive year. Right. And again, like I think the goal next offseason is going to be edge rusher and linebacker, at least in the draft. Yeah. Um, and you move on from Vernon, which is fine. Or if Vernon kind of plays like he did last year, which is really good in the run game, underwhelming in the pass game, you may be able to get Vernon on actually a fairly cheap deal. Yeah, you know, uh, give him some you know financial stability, some guaranteed money, lower average annual value, a uh, couple years, you know, maybe a team option or mutual option or something like that, or yeah, and you could get yourself in a good situation with uh, a player who is productive. However, according to fans, all he does is get hurt and <laughs> not sack the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and. I actually think, oh, shoot, I'm going to forget his name now, which is so embarrassing. The guy Dorsey drafted, the linebacker who's really into music, who is Vernon's backup. Oh, Chad um, Thomas. He's a complete Thomas. waste of a roster it, spot. Yeah. I, I don't like Chad Thomas. <laughs> I actually think he's a decent backup for Vernon. Like, 
he kind of does the same thing. He's not like he's worse, but he kind of <laughs> like he he is pretty good at hitting his gap. Not a great pass rusher. Um, doesn't really seal the edge as well as Vernon, but like <laughs> overall is like he's decent. He's I think it's fine. I, I'm not. I mean, Vernon played in what twelve games last year, thirteen games. He played like, him more than people realize, but let me look yeah. it up. I mean, if you ask the average Browns fan how many games Olivier Vernon played in last year, they'd probably say like six. Uh, no, it was like twelve or thirteen. I mean. You, you see how you don't just make a lot of flashy plays? Ten. He played in ten. Ten. Okay. I mean, that like, ten games, that's not ideal. But I, I just, like, injuries are part of the sport, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think you could guarantee me that Clowney has a higher chance of being healthy for more games this season than Vernon. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't foresee that as being possible. <laughs> Well, the Browns would use him as, which is basically a strong side edge rusher and then kind of like a sub package defensive tackle. Yeah, like, I, that, that, he's going to take a beating. Yeah, you, you, a guy that has injury problems is going to get the hell beaten out of him. You're saying, yes, let's do that. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, now that we talked about the defense, let's talk about the offense. Uh, Just... One particular player. Uh, who has slowly been driving the hype train back up again, uh, much to my dismay. And that'd be the one, the only, Baker Mayfield. Uh, (laughs) There was that story that came out about him being quiet and whatever the phrasing was, moving in silence, and, you know, he hasn't really done anything uh, to get attention. This is the most overblown thing in the world, right? Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. You know me, I am not one of these guys. Like, I'm an analytics guy. I'm mm-hmm. not a guy, I don't buy into, like, oh, he's quiet or, oh, he's vocal. Like, and that, that, like, I don't think that play, I don't think the Browns were, the players were, arrogance cost them games last year. I think it was not a good roster. Yeah. Um, and I think they had a terrible head coach. So I don't buy any of that. What I would say, though, is if you look at Baker's history, he generally does play best when he is counted out like that's just been his history Mm -hmm. it takes a little bit of kind of negative attention to motivate him and i think there may be but again i I don't know i I don't know to what and what effect like i don't know the effect of that so pff released their quarterback rankings and I mean, they made a. It's a really fair point on Baker Mayfield. So they rate Baker Mayfield 18th after guys like Garoppolo, Goff, Cousins, Prescott, etc. I think that was a very fair ranking. Yeah. Right. Because then you get he's not like he's either the top of the bottom tier or the bottom of the middle tier, mm-hmm. even with how he played last year. Yeah. And so I think that's a fair ranking. Mm-hmm. But what they said is like, and you can look at it. The standard error bars are huge, right? Because there are games where Baker Mayfield looked like trash. Yeah. But then even last year, there were games where Baker Mayfield looked like a top 10, maybe top 5 quarterback. Like the game I was at, the Baltimore game. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mayfield was picking apart Baltimore's D. And it was a lot of RPOs and stuff that I think we're going to see more of this season. Um, And so, like, I think Baker Mayfield is probably better than he showed last year. And I I just don't know where that ranks him. a part of me feels like he ends up like his max 
the most likely max anyways is kind of like that 12th spot, that Jimmy Garoppolo spot, where he's good enough that if you have a good team, you can win some playoff games and maybe like even get to Super Bowl. But he's not necessarily going to win you many games by himself. I think that's kind of his ceiling, or his likely ceiling. Um, I don't buy this idea that he's the next most val- valuable young quarterback behind Mahomes. Oh, he's not. I just I think there's <laughs> other good young quarterbacks in the NFL. But and do I think Lamar Jackson is definitely going to have a better career than him? No, I actually don't. I think we started to see ways that defenses were countering Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, PFF has some really interesting stuff about the value of scheme, like a coach's scheme. Yes. And unique schemes just lead to more wins, um, mm-hmm. no matter what. Because teams haven't seen them before. They don't know how to defend them. As teams start seeing them, the value of scheme goes down. Not out, right? Like, Lamar Jackson's always going to give teams trouble because there's not another quarterback like him. Yes. And that scheme is really interesting, like a lot of zone read stuff. I I think he will go back down to earth. I, I don't think Lamar Jackson is ever going to be in the MVP race ever again. And I think Baker could end up as a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I don't think Baker Mayfield will ever be right behind Pat Mahomes. No. I, I feel he'll always be eight to nine spots behind him. Um, yeah, at best. I mean, Pat. we've not seen anything like Pat, Pat Mahomes. I mean, Pat Mahomes is the first quarterback that, or I guess Russell Wilson has it now too, but Pat Mahomes could be the second quarterback to get his salary is just a portion of the cap, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think Pat Mahomes can say, I want 25% of your cap. So whatever the cap is, I want 25%. Um. Which is going to mean he's going to get forty to forty-five million a year, mm-hmm. maybe even more than that. And I think he's probably worth it. He is because uh, he's not only just a, a good quarterback; um, he elevates the play of those around him. He, he does. He's a good leader. He doesn't necessarily need Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. Having those guys are great, but he doesn't need those guys in order to win games. And that's the difference between someone like Mahomes versus somebody like Baker Mayfield. Well, and it's funny because I actually think Baker does elevate the play of, like, the, like, second and third tier guys. Um, Like, I know people like to criticize Jarvis Landry. If you look at Jarvis Landry's numbers, Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield has made him a better receiver. Um, Period. Like, he is playing better than he ever did Miami. Um, It's just not getting noticed. And, like, guys like Rashard Higgins, like, I'm sorry, Rashard Higgins is not a number good number three receiver. But Baker Mayfield made him look really good. See, I have some input on that. And, and here's yeah, my so, input. Uh, that The one year where everyone was just like, look at Rashard Higgins, he's awesome. And everyone's been drinking the Kool-Aid since then. Uh, here's the, the fact. Here's the fact of the matter. Is that up to the game where he came in to replace Tyrod Taylor versus the Jets, he was working with the second team. Who was right. leading the second team receiver group? Right, Rashard right. Higgins. So uh, not yeah, naturally, yeah. they're going to build some chemistry there, and that's just always how it is. Doesn't matter which quarterback it is. Doesn't matter which receiver it is. Whoever the backup quarterback works with most in practice yeah. and reps, they're going to have chemistry with naturally. And that for that time was Rashard Higgins. So when it but came it, time you for even saw it last season, though, with like Kaderil Hodge, who like Kaderil Hodge was on, I think, on Kansas City in 2018, um, and like JoJo Nathanson. Like, who Baker Mayfield is actually, like, throwing open. 
So I, I think he does make the weaker players better. The question is, will he ever be able to make kind of your top receivers better, like your Odell Beckham? Um, and I don't know. We'll see. Hodges on the Rams in 2018. Rams, Rams. That makes sense. Yeah, I knew he was on one of those kind of like really funky teams. Uh, yeah, Rams make sense. Yeah. JoJo Natson was on the Chiefs. That was mm-hmm. the... Yeah, so I don't think he will. Like, Pat Mahomes makes Travis Kelsey a better player. Yes. Which is incredible. Mm-hmm. He makes Tyreek Hill a better player, which is incredible. Yes. That stuff like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady did. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Baker Mayfield will ever be that. The question is, can he go from making, I think, Odell Beckham look worse than he is to making Odell Beckham look like Odell Beckham? No, and I think that's, that's what tr- we'll have to see. That's tricky. Um, because <laughs> we've seen the highest of highs and lowest of lows with Baker Mayfield. And yep. um, for the most part, with the exception of the Baltimore game, they've predictably come against the teams you think they're going to come against. He performs well against the bad teams and terrible against the good teams. I wouldn't say terrible, but yeah, he is definitely underwhelming. I mean, again, I, I think ultimately the most likely scenario, like the high positive likely scenario, is like a Jimmy Garoppolo, 12th best quarterback in the NFL, a guy you probably give a big contract to because more than likely he's better than anything else you're going to find in the draft mm-hmm. or in free agency, but not necessarily a guy that is going to just like, like Pat Mahomes, the Chiefs, every year they have Pat Mahomes, will be in Super Bowl contention. Mm-hmm. Like the Seahawks with Russell Wilson yes. and like the Patriots when they had Tom Brady. Like he's just, Baker's not the type of guy, but that's okay. You don't need that guy to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps, but you don't need that. What we need to see from Baker is that he can beat Jimmy Garoppolo or even like Kirk Cousins. Like you need to see that. Um, if you don't see that this season, I, I really do think they will, like you got to start looking at quarterbacks. But, I, I, I mean, Baker's mean game is still better than Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, uh, Terod Taylor. Like, his mean game, his average game. Yes. And, and I don't think he's going to get worse in this offense. The question is how much better he looks. And, you know, I've been you know, in the camp of being like, I, I don't necessarily see him becoming, you know, even I don't necessarily see him becoming like that Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins guy. I view him as a guy's going to be that tier below them. So, which is essentially league average starter who becomes maybe a journeyman later in his career, bouncing from team to team, sort of like his current backup, Case Keenum. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, again, I, I think, and we talked about this last week, I'm more yeah. optimistic about him in this offense specifically. Like, it just, this offense is exactly what Baker Mayfield is good at, the passing game. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think last year we were, like, scheme matters. I I mean, I will say always, quarterback's the most important position in the NFL, head coach is second. Scheme matters. And I think Baker Mayfield was, I, I don't know what went through Freddie Kitchen's head, in Todd Monken's head when they decided to install Bruce Arians' offense last year. I just, it does, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, because the year before, they were running something kind of more similar to like we saw in Philadelphia or what we see in Kansas City, which is not necessarily a outside zone team, but a team that used a lot of different concepts. 
And use, use some RPOs, some short concepts, the occasional deep ball to Brashad Perriman. Right. right, exactly. And I, I, I mean, even on in that season, there was still a noticeable difference. Baker was really great at the RPO stuff, the slants, the mesh plays, the play action. Not as good in shotgun deep ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think, like, I, I really do think ske- I do think scheme just by itself will make Baker Mayfield look better. I, I really, I mean. My guess, the mean for Baker Mayfield, like the total average, is Jared Goff. Okay. Who I think, again, is a guy like, you're probably not going to find somebody better than him in the draft. Like, just statistically speaking, unless you have one of the top five picks, you're probably not going to find somebody better than Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. And if I, it's going to take a really good head coach. Um, like, people are all criticizing Sean McVay. Like that Rams team this year still went nine and seven and had one of the better offenses in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like it, Sean McVay is a good coach, and if Stefanski can be like that, then I think Baker's a guy that you give that kind of nice contract to, and you just know that you gotta. He'll never be the forty million dollar a year quarterback. Um, he'll probably slide in a little bit. Like the best thing for the Browns is that Mahomes is drafted a year earlier because Mahomes is going to set the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And he'll be under Mahomes. My guess is he'll be probably close to where Jimmy Garoppolo got, like at the low end. Um, and maybe like Kirk Cousins got at the high end, which is fine. You can work with that. Um, so that's my gut instinct. Like that's, I think, his mean outcome as a quarterback. It's possible. But uh, <clears throat> to make this conversation come full circle... Are you buying the whole Baker Mayfield being quiet this offseason thing as a step in the right direction? I mean, everything's, no, everything's closed. I, I, it doesn't mean anything, right? Like, yeah. What, what do you expect him to be doing? Like, if, if the bar is not get arrested like some of those other NFL players did, it's pretty right. fucking low. <laughs> right. And, I mean, like, yeah, he's quiet. He's dedicated. But I thought Baker Mayfield was dedicated last year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't. I've never taken Baker Mayfield to be kind of like a lazy player or a not serious player. Like he has an ego, but that doesn't mean he's lazy or not serious. Yeah. I mean, I I, I guess we'll find out, but you know, I I just saw that that hype train gaining momentum. I'm like, Oh God, please stop this now. This is nonsense. Yeah. It doesn't. I mean, listen, it's good because this scheme is hardest. Like, it makes quarterbacks' lives easier, mm-hmm. but the quarterbacks need to be able to audible at the line of scrimmage. That's where teams hit on Jared Goff. They realized he was, like, when McVay's headset was off, mm-hmm. Goff wasn't great at audibling. Yes. It's actually where Jimmy Garoppolo is amazing. Like, if you ever, like, watch the 49ers, watch what happens when Garoppolo, go, Garoppolo goes to the line of scrimmage. Um, and we've actually seen that Baker could be pretty good at that. But he could be pretty good at that when he had to do it once to twice a drive, not when he had to think about doing it every play. Yeah. And so we don't know, right? The evidence is limited. It's just, yeah, he may be pretty good at that, but we'll see. So here's one last thing on Baker before we move on to the next uh, topic of discussion here. Um, Something uh, to consider is, while he was outstanding during those final eight games as a rookie, and uh, a lot of people seem to grip tightly to that little run there, um, 
there's no doubt that defenses got tape on him and his tendencies, and they exploited his weaknesses. Uh, are you concerned that maybe those eight games were more flukish than they possibly are, and that these defenses getting the tape isn't just a one-time thing? It's they've, I don't want to say exposed them, but they figured them out. Uh, one no, way or the other. I, I mean, again, scheme, right? Scheme yeah. matter. You had Freddie Kitchens come in, and honestly, like those eight games, Freddie Kitchens called some awesome plays. Yeah, and yeah. Baker was it, Baker is an unusual quarterback because he has a really strong arm. He sees the short to intermediate field exceptionally well, and he's actually pretty athletic. Mm-hmm. And I think those eight games you had, like teams didn't know what to do, and they learned two things that summer, which is. Baker is not as great on deep routes. He doesn't see the deep end of the field super well. And he likes to roll out to his right. Yes. And they exposed that, right? Because Freddie Kitchens, for whatever reason, decided play-action bootlegs were just a play he was not going to include in the playbook. And so Baker rolling out to his right was unnatural. It was breaking out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. I think the Browns are going to address that. But, like, I don't think that will be an issue this season. I don't think teams will be able to force Baker to his right both because of A, Jack Conklin, but B, they're going to be worried about the run every play. Yes. Like, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Like, Nick Chubb could very easily get 2,000 yards this season. Like, easily, easily. I think he's going to be dominant. And they, then Stefanski's going to run a lot of play action where the quarterback moves either to the right or to the left. And so I, I really am not as worried about that being the issue they exploit. I think what they will try to do is they will more or less stack the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and try to force Baker to throw deep. So that'll be interesting. I, and that's what they did last season. Yeah. And I, I think that will be the area Baker needs to improve on. He does not need to be a good deep thrower. He needs to be slightly below average if he's slightly below average they can't do that because the cost of doing that is huge like if baker hits odell beckham on deep routes slightly lower than the average deep thrower they're going to destroy defenses that's like what happened with jared goff in 2018 jared goff's not an exceptional deep thrower but he was like he was slightly below average and brandon cooks was torching teams on deep routes um and that's why, right? And so the question is, can Baker become that? And I don't know. We'll see. I think we'll, we'll learn a lot about this offense when they finally start playing games and where Baker lines up. Because if he's lining up under center, that's a good thing. If he's lining up in shotgun or pistol, not so good. Uh, I, I but, actually think we'll see a lot of pistol. Oh, man. I, I just put him under center because here's the yeah. deal. I mean, the, the, the reality is, is that... People try to make, not make this a big deal, but it's a fact. He's a shorter quarterback. He needs to be able right on his line, right behind his lineman, so he can see as much of the field as possible. When he's dropped back, those guys are tall. There could be linebackers that stack it, it obscures his view. If he's next, right under the center, he's able to get the best vision, best idea of what defenses set up like and what he should or shouldn't be doing on a particular play. And when we see him in pistol or shotgun, he just can't see the view or you see the defense correctly or at least fully so the re so i don't think they'll see a lot of shotgun i mean shotgun is not really uh, unless stefanski basically pulls a freddie kitchens 
I, I just I don't think they'll see. I mean, you may have one like or two formations of shotgun plays, but that's it. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see more pistol than we did last year because what Stefanski likes to do with pistol is load up on the strong side. So you'll basically have Baker, a running back behind him, and a running back next to him, and a tight end next to the running back. Um, and so Andy Yanovich will come in on those sets. Mm-hmm. And what that basically does is it lets the quarterback boot out to the right side or lets Chubb run to the right side. And I, I think you'll see him on those plays. I, I guess I wouldn't say a lot of pistol. I think we'll see pistol used more effectively this season. It will not be on pure, like, just sitting behind the pocket plays like last year. Yeah. It will be he will be moving. Baker will be moving on those plays. Okay, and if they're if they're doing if they're using pistol more than shotgun, that's all I can ask. Because in my yeah. opinion, it should be under center pistol shotgun that order. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, just... you're going to see a lot of power formations. That's like that is what makes Stefanski system different than Shanahan's. At least last year, mm-hmm. Stefanski loved power formations. Give me all of the power formations. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It take the yeah. ball out of Baker's hands. <laughs> I know yeah. people, uh, some people who don't like to hear that, but take it out of his or, hands. <laughs> or rather than taking it, I would say rather than that, just like don't make Baker have to make lots of decisions every play. That's also fair. Give him first or second read. And make the plays diverse enough that teams can't bank on that, right? So if your run plays look like your pass plays, teams can't just sit in on the first and second reads, mm-hmm. right? Because if they do that, then Nick Chubb's going for 20. Mm-hmm. So, um, you said you figured something out about uh, one particular player, uh, David Njoku. What did yeah. you figure out? So, let me preface this by saying, much of this is predicated on Njoku becoming a, like, improving as a blocker. He does not need to become good, but he needs okay. to improve. In Stefanski's st- scheme, he runs over routes, which are literally what it sounds like off play action, mm-hmm. which is you throw the ball to a receiver or tight end down the middle of the field and slide routes, which, again, is kind of a similar-looking play, except you also have, like, it, it almost is closer to, like, a mesh look where this route isn't as deep. It's a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. And you uh, really just kind of, like, have a running back that slides short. Um, So you can get it to the running back as kind of your dump off play. Both of those routes can be used in 12. Um, So one running back, two tight ends. You will have one tight end maintain his role as a blocker and one tight end shoot down the middle of the field. So ideally, that would be Hooper going down the field. No. No, okay. So it it would be Njoku because you need a tight end that can block and then quickly recover and bullet down. Hooper is not as fast as Njoku is. He's just not. And he's not as like adept at that chip block. Mm-hmm. I really think part of the reason they brought in Njoku is for sets like that. Um, so you'll run kind of mid-zone off those plays a lot, and then you'll run a play-action over, a play-action slide play, where you'll probably have Njoku going shorter than Beckham. And... I mean, in Minnesota, they were just getting Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith time and time and time again wide open mm-hmm. on those plays because you had Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen also in on those plays. Yes. Um, and, and they were just doing it over and over and over again. And I actually think 
that is what they like that like you have Njoku for two years and probably gets I don't know 20 to 30 catches a season um but with a ton of yards like it's pretty good so in in a perfect scenario yeah right but I think that's a scenario that doesn't require a lot of improvement out of Njoku like I think that's a scenario that Again, he just needs to become a better blocker. If he's not, that's why they drafted Bryant. Because mm-hmm. Bryant actually is a pretty decent blocker, especially on the whatever the weaker side is going to be. So not the weak side, but whoever looks worse between Conklin and Wills mm-hmm. will probably get Hooper next to them. Yeah. And I think Bryant will go on the other side. Um and, and so it's kind of like a no loss scenario in that if in that world and then yeah you have Njoku for another year and that's gonna kind of suck but if it works out that is a play that you would not otherwise have out of a 12 formation um you could run it out of ace right mm-hmm. uh three receivers out of 11 but to run it out of 12 you'll need Njoku to look and I don't think Hooper does that well I'm okay. actually pretty confident Hooper doesn't do that well yeah so in your I'm going to make a prediction. Does Njoku take that stride in improving his blocking ability? Because he hasn't ever shown the ability to block since going back to college. I I mean, it's tough to say because he also has never played in a zone blocking scheme Uh where his blocking is much more like Njoku basically will have to probably hit the chip the left tackle and then jump either to his next blocking assignment on run plays or dash forward on pass plays. Yeah. And, and so I like, it's just tough to tell. I don't know how he'll look in this system. It likes athletic tight ends and David Njoku is nothing but an athletic tight end. Yes. I mean, the ideal is like, it looks kind of like the Ram system where they just have like two tight ends that like, uh, Shoot, I'm gonna forget their names too. I don't know why. Higby and uh, the other tight end. They drafted him a few years ago. Um, I can't I keep. I always forget his name. Higby and uh, Everett, Gerald Everett. Ah, uh, yes. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Higby and Everett, and I like. And Joku basically plays the Everett role, and Everett's a really productive player, and. I think that's the dream. Do I think that happens? I don't know. I mean, it's tough. It's tough to tell. It, it, a lot depends on how good Stefanski is. I mean, this, like, a lot of this boils down to how good Stefanski is. We are going to see a very simple scheme this year, by the way. Like, if you look at any time the outside zone scheme, this type of scheme, the Shanahan, like Mike Shanahan scheme, Gary Kubiak scheme is instituted – Year one is much simpler than year two, which is much simpler than year three. 